Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Rot Iron Custom Effects. Rot Iron makes the Aslan, the Bucephalus, and the Orchrist uh, different dirt boxes. They look rad. They're super cool. Yeah, um, they're fun. Rot Iron is doing a Kickstarter right now. You can check out the link in our show notes or jump on Google and Rot Iron Effects Kickstarter and it'll yeah. come right up. Yeah, they're uh, they're really cool pedals. I got to demo all of them. Yeah. And uh, they're just a blast. They're all kind of different flavors of uh, kind of dirt and preamps and, and whatever you want. I really, really like the Orchrist. I think that's a really, really fun pedal, and it looks beautiful. If you're a Lord of the Rings nerd, then you're just going to love this thing. Uh, yeah, so go check them out. Yep. Heavy Lit Effects, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum. The guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, podcast. Hey, Steve. Hey, Ryan. How, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's the new thing that you've done? The new thing I've done is that I've uh, driven all the way up to uh, Costa Mesa, California with you. So far. And then we have set up a booth at the Quilter event, and everyone else is still getting set up. And we're recording an episode just because we're here and we can. And then later on today, we're going to get interviews and stuff. Yeah, look at these suckers doing all this work. There's, a, there's, you know, not everyone's here yet, but there's a bunch of people here already. We've got a uh, new neighbor. I'm looking at Vertex over here. Uh, there's Boss Roland, which I'm surprised that they're here. There's uh, Bad Cat. There's Lace Sensor. Yeah, and, uh, Wilkins uh, Guitars. Exotic Effects is up here. Are they up here? There's a uh, DJ playing... A gorilla's riff over and over again, so that's cool. And uh, there's going to be iconic guitars this year. Yeah, there's going to be uh, live music and stuff. It's going to be a fun event. There's a lot of people here. Yeah, we've got some uh, dynamic mics set up, and we're going to sit, just hang out, and do our thing all day. Uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> we'll see, uh, see if we can survive doing an all-day podcasting session. Oh my gosh, what if we just release this as like a eight-hour-long episode? Oh my gosh, one, kill me. One eight-hour-long episode. It'll be the the biggest podcast file anyone's ever downloaded. <laughs> Uh, no, that was uh, the biggest down podcast file anyone's ever downloaded is that one time that guy uploaded like an uh, hour and a half long podcast in lossless format. Oh my gosh. It's raw audio. <laughs> <laughs> it was a WAV file. Yeah. Can we read? Um, we, we talked about Dolby uh, effects a while back. Right, we were right. talking about them. Can we release a podcast in Dolby? Probably. I <laughs> think we need like. Five sources, uh-huh. 5.1 sources, no, we'll just, 7.1 sources. What I'll do is I'll just EQ our voices so that there's a little bit of the EQ in each each mix. Yeah. So it's like the, ba- my, oh my the, the base of my voice is behind you. You know, you got the treble on the sides and all the mids are in the front. Well, I mean, that's basically like, in a sense, that's what they do. Actually, with, with a four mic setup, you could do like 4.1. Sure. Or, like, you could have it where, like... No, I'm saying I'm just going to fake it all in post. No, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, I'm saying if you had four mics, like, you could pan the four channels that way. Right. And then just, you know, pump up the bass in that point one. Yeah. I think that's how it works. Yeah, I've never done anything. Me neither. I don't even mix in stereo. The only thing Everything I know about... Everything I do is in mono. All I know about Dolby is that guy got blinded by science. <laughs> It's poetry in motion. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Remember, yeah. you're on a dynamic mic, Steve, and you gotta you gotta be on it. I'm on it. No I'm closer to it than you I are. I'm saying you turned your head to cough. I know, but I'm just doing a reminder for both of us. Oh, so I can cough and do it. That's what you're saying. Uh, you can if you want, but uh, don't if you can avoid I it. I turned my head to cough for the. P- but then you were talking on the return. Oh, okay. I saw you talking before you were on the mic. I don't. I'm not trying Ryan, to be a stickler. I'm a, I sing into dynamic microphones prof- professionally. I know. I know. As professionally as you possibly can. <laughs> but, uh, do we have anything else new to talk about? Uh, I hung out with a list, longtime listener and Inner Circle member, Will Cobb, last yeah? weekend. And that was a ton of fun. I was up uh, up north in the kind of Morro Bay area, uh, hanging out at a friend's beach house. And he lives in that area. So we met up and just hung out on the beach and just you know talked gear and talked life for a couple hours. 
It was a lot of fun. I got a really bad sunburn on my legs. Oops. And then my kid went crazy, and I had to take him in and give him a bath. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's fun to meet listeners, uh, especially if they're inner circle. Yeah. Uh, if you're not inner circle, it's just not as special to meet you, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but we had a lot of fun talking with Will. I wish I could have recorded it, but we were out on the out on the sand, and it was really hot, and I didn't want to risk taking the so recorder hot. out there. But he's got a really cool job that uh, he makes a living making music. Yeah. I want to get him either on the phone for an interview sometime or do some kind of thing with him where he can talk about that because it's, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting, and I think it's the sort of thing that you know our music-making audience would like to know about. Right. So, Maybe something from that in the future. Other than that, let's uh, bust out a couple ads. Who knows if we'll get to topics on this episode. We might throw someone else on here to do a topic with us, or we might just leave this as a short episode and then drop a couple midweeks Yeah. this week, you know? Who knows? Who knows? The world gonna, is my oyster. We're kind of going to play it by ear. Uh, did you have anything else to say before? Ah. Oh, we have a uh, new inner circle members. Well, yeah, we got. I was gonna do that after ads, but I guess we can do it before. No, do we it got right a couple now. new guys in the Sixty uh, Cycle Hum inner circle. If you want to find out more information on that, go to sixtycyclehumcast.com uh-huh. and click on support the show. I mean, ba- basically, the inner circle they pay us money and it helps fund us lots of things for the show. Like we just got stickers printed. Yeah. We're gonna start sending those out this we week. We just got a six foot banner that's in yeah. the back of our booth. And we'll we'll make the stickers available to buy for uh, for regular listeners. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks j- to Jake Watuski and to Tyler Aldridge. Yep. Our most recent additions to the 60 Cycle Home Inner Circle. Yeah. And they definitely get- appreciate you guys sending us stuff. Yeah. Uh, you get first dibs on new merchandise like stickers. Uh, you don't just get first dibs. It just gets sent to you. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you don't buy it from us. We just yeah. give it to you. Since we're using the money that you send to fund, like, yeah. merch... You guys get merch. Yeah, exactly. You've already it, paid for it. When it comes, you've already yeah, you've already paid for it. Yeah. So uh, shirts, if they haven't been sent, like I, I've already talked about these guys, so they either have a shirt already, yeah. or we work something out where I'll be getting a shirt, or we don't have their size. Right, right. Uh, we're running out of shirts. I need to get more shirts printed. Uh, we're also talking about some other options. Also, so, some other perks, real quick. You get to be in our secret group where you help make decisions for the show and for the main group. And decide. Uh, you help us decide whether or not Cold Duke gets to stay another week. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you get a free month of gear supply strings up to an $18 value, which is great. Um, yeah, and we only have like uh, 75 more of those to give away. <laughs> I think they're, they're unlimited. Going. When we run out of code, we'll just get more code. <laughs> um, and uh, you get to be our best friends. You get to have a personal uh, friend request from either Steve and I. Steve I think, I, so be- we can I add think you to best the group. friends is, uh, is the $5 level. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, if we're in your town, we're going to visit you or we're going to call you up, you know? like. Oh, if my wife lets yeah. me. All right, let's get into the show and do some ads. All I right. always think we're going super long on the intro. I just looked down, we're at, like, seven minutes. That is super long. We used to do, like, no less than, like, 15 minutes for the intro. Really? Yeah, we used to be really long-winded. We've gotten a lot more efficient. Well, I know in the last, like, like maybe a dozen or so episodes, I've been really self-conscious about self-promotion. Uh-huh. I mean, we don't want to talk about that nonstop. All uh, right. It's important, but it's not that important. Uh, so I will say before we do this ad that Ryan, I think, bested me on a pronunciation for <laughs> once um, on a name pronunciation. This is a West Tone. Uh, this is from, it just says Vintage Guitar. It's in Wildwood, wherever that is. Uh huh. Sounds mint, wild. Mint, and woody. W- mint West Tone guitar, seventies custom paint. Missing tone, none. What a sound. Made Japan. This was sent in by. How do you think this Zantiago. is? Santiago. Santiago Martin. Yeah, like think of it like as a Spanish name. Or as I wanted to say, Santiago Martin. I thought I thought you wanted to say Zantango. Zantango? No. No, it's gonna be I was just gonna be Zantiago Martin. I wasn't sure if it was Martin or Martin. I'm sure one of those things we said is correct. All right. Anyway, uh, so he sent this in via the Facebook page. Uh-huh. Um, and we were talking about it, and I really liked his comment on it, which was why I wanted to get on the show, which was sure. this would be perfect for your gem in the holograms cover band. I like this finish a lot. 
It is yeah. gold sparkle, which you know I'm into. Yeah. Fading into green sparkle, which I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, but you mix green and yellow and it always looks good. It just always looks good. You, are you a Packers fan, Ryan? No, but I'm a fan of Rogue from the X-Men. Exactly. Green and yellow just always kind of look at, good together. This looks like it has gold hardware, which I think I'm not actually into gold hardware, but uh, it's kind of like a like a heavy metal take on sort of an explorer kind of star shape, but like yeah. a really weird upper horn. And a really slight lower horn, like lower back horn. Right. This is very much like it's you know as soon as you see this, it screams super super hair it metal. Screams seventies Japan. Oh yeah. Um, Aria, I think had some body shapes like this or or similar. Hondo, Hondo might have had some body shapes like this. Fifteen hundred dollars though. Way I, nope. I don't know anything about the brand West Tone. Looking at this, I'm not seeing $1,500 worth of guitar. I don't think this is $1,500 worth of guitar. Unless we're, like, super wrong, and I'm sure uh, Paul Roney's listening to oh my this episode, gosh. going like, correcting us in his mind right now, like, oh, they're getting it super wrong. But maybe we're super right. It's just a, you know, you think about guitars that look this way and are kind of imports from this time period. Right. And I've never seen one that was worth $1,500. I've never seen... A West Tone sell for more than like four, yeah. four hundred, four fifty. Well, maybe. I don't know if I've ever seen a West Tone, but I'm looking at it and I'm definitely getting an Aria vibe for sure. Yeah, maybe an Aria Pro Two vibe. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> what are you trying to say there, Ryan? No, I'm just saying. I just think it's funny that they have all the Aria has all this different branding, like right? All these different right. lines of, of Arias that you can get, but. Yeah, I think it looks interesting. If this was in a pawn shop for $300, I would pick it up and be like, oh, yeah, I wish I had a project this worked with. Yeah, $1,500, I, I would say 500 Even like 500 I think, would be a stretch. Sure. Uh, I think three, 400 is maybe the right price point. Well, you really got to want it, I think, above like 350 Like hey, You if, really got to have a need for it. If you want it, you can get for it. Me, for me, 350 is like the disposable... Like on a whim guitar price, you know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I mean, because I... that's kind of like I, for three fifty, I could go get a you know a Mexican strap that I know will be exactly like a working guitar, or I could go get something really funky looking that's gonna be like this is a stage prop for the yeah. most part. Or like and a project I think starter. I think this guitar falls into that second category: stage prop, project starter. Yeah, and, and it it's. Probably, if it's properly set up, if everything's still really intact, it's probably a great player. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, if it's a Japanese import, it probably plays great. It's only got one pickup. I mean, you could throw anything in there. You could throw something really hot in there or, or something kind of vintage-sounding. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's wild, but I think it's got good bones. I don't hate this guitar. Yeah, I just I do. don't think the price works. I'm just kidding. You hate the guitar, Steve? No, I don't. That's a lie. You should throw it. You could get this, and you could put a Telecaster pickup in the bridge, and then you'd love this guitar. Oh my gosh! It's all you would think about. No, I don't. You don't actually I, like Telecaster bridges, do you? I don't really have a take on Telecaster. I don't have a you, guitar. All with your the Telecasters tele have humbuckers. All of my Telecasters are just <laughs> odd. <laughs> uh, no, my. I mean, technically, the PV has a uh -huh. hum canceling, but it's not like a true humbucker. It's right. not a true single. but yeah. it's not a true humbucker. Anyway, we're getting it's it's single spaced, but it is a humbucker in theory. In the it bucks hum, but it's it's a it's a hum canceling system. Right, right. Okay, let's move on to the next ad. <laughs> we're gonna rip through this real quick, and I'm just fine with that. I'm hoping to just kind of hang out and you know get content, but also just kind of have fun today. All right. Um, this one is an In-N-Out double-double burger combo, originally uh -huh. owned by Josh Scott of JHS. This is listed on Reverb.com by Vintage Guitar Gallery of Long Island. They are asking uh, $250,000 plus $60 shipping. Damn. I, I'm Yeah, $60 shipping for a hamburger, fries, well, and a Coke? $60 shipping. I, you know, I, We see things sell. We don't know if that's a Coke. That could be a root beer. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a brown beverage. Yeah. Uh, you see things sell sometimes where it's like the price is real low, but then the shipping's really high. Right. I think this is a reverse situation where the price is too high and the shipping is too low. Because what we're dealing with here is like Josh probably, as we're looking at this ad now, Josh probably 
owned this burger two right. minutes ago. It is sitting on the table in and out right now. They're ready to throw it onto a private jet and get it to you within a couple hours, depending on where you are in the world. They've, they've uh, fixed up one of the last Concorde jets, and they're ready to supersonic it to you. Even if it was, even if you flew this from Long Island to San Diego on the Concorde, no, actually, that might take less time than just going to In-N-Out yourself because the line is always so long. <laughs> well, that's what this issue, it bypasses the line for you. Yeah, for only $250,000. <laughs> but Josh Scott, what a deal. Josh Scott owned it. He, he's probably modified it in some way. Yeah. I mean, the, you probably the, added chopped chilies. The, the the cost of a JHS mod on an In and Out burger, like I can't even imagine. Well, you know? first of all, he has to import it to the remote land of Kansas City. Yeah, from I, from like yeah. I think the nearest In and Out to him is like maybe Dallas. People who don't get this joke are probably so confused right now. But Josh <laughs> Scott of JHS Pedals for like a long time has been doing this gag where every time he eats a meal, he posts a picture of it. And says so like, "Oh, this is really good in and out." I want to say every time he eats a, a meal. A lot of times when he eats meals, I think like probably what I think he only eats four times a week, and then at least half of those times he posts. So at least fifty percent of his meals, he's posting pictures of what he's eating and saying, "Oh, this is really good in and out." And sometimes it'll be a burger, and it's obviously not an in and out burger, and it just infuriates people who are in and out fans at first, and then they get onto the joke and like, "Oh, ha ha ha." And then people start tagging him in pictures for In-N-Out and stuff like that, or other burgers and saying the same thing. So it's been kind of a running joke that's not actually funny, but kind of charming, I guess. I don't even know if it's charming, but... Uh, I think it's cute. I think it's cute. Maybe he's listening right now. I want to make sure that I think that he <laughs> knows that I think his, uh, his gag is cute, and I think it's fun. I mean, I've tagged him in stuff. There was a, At our local county fair, there was a... Uh, and a submission done by like a student in like the oh, art yeah. section of a of a cake made to look like a full in and out meal and I tagged him in that. Uh, but I, I think this is I think this is fun. I think it's fun that someone put a joke ad up on Reverb. Uh, Dude, I, I put a joke ad up on Reverb and somebody actually was offered me five dollars, no shipping. Nice. And then I just took the ad down because I was like, eh. Oh, it was for the uh, the Nam merch. The right? Nam merch. Yeah. The problem Did is, I think I've used some of it. Didn't someone recently get flagged for doing a joke post on Reverb? Like they, their account got suspended or something? Yeah. I want to say it was uh, Jack. Was it Jack DeVille? I don't know if it was a joke post. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he was like, he had, a, I think, a Supermoon Chrome up for like $99,000 That's or something. That's right. Or? He was, he, yeah, he was spoofing people who flip his stuff, which is something that we, a topic we need to talk about yeah. sometime today with either you and me or with someone else. Um. So yeah, that's that's funny. I wonder if he got that worked out. Uh, but maybe well, I think he actually got his like his account suspended for it. I wonder how long that lasts though, or I don't know if he could work it out with them. You, I, Reverb, I hope you know, so. Reverb will talk to you in a personal way, so I hope yeah. they got worked out. Otherwise, we're gonna start hashtag boycott Reverb. No, we're not. Hashtag e eBay only way. I can understand why a business that's getting bigger would need to crack down on jokes when they happen. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, you can do that stuff on eBay, and eBay is not going to care. They just don't care. You can do it on Craigslist, and Craigslist isn't going to care. Reverb runs a pretty darn tight ship, so I wouldn't be surprised if they want to keep stuff like that to a minimum if they can. Yeah. Just like, just to keep from mudding the, their waters as far as like their numbers go, and you know, because they have the whole well, what's, algorithm. What's going to happen with that one? Yeah, what's going to happen with that one is someone is going to go in. It's up for nine thousand or whatever. Nine. Right. Was it nine thousand or ninety-nine thousand? So a number with a nine followed by the word thousands. Right. Right. Um, nine 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 nine. And what's going to happen is somebody will fake buy it. Right. And then oh, in the price that. guide, the price guide will say like, "This pedal has been selling for in, in the range of uh, five hundred thousand dollars, one hundred and fifty <laughs> to twenty five thousand dollars. Right, right. Last sold ninety nine thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, haven't we? Have we ever talked about people doing that on eBay where we suspect that they uh, fake force up the the completed listing price of things?" By buying their own stuff. Well, anytime I don't, 
whenever I see something on eBay that's a completed buy it now, uh huh, it always throws up like and the price is higher than, than like everything else around it. And the same thing with single bid. Yeah. When something has like a a high starting price and it was only been bid on once, both of those scenarios make me think that something strange is afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel the same way. I I I wouldn't be surprised if Reverb is trying to keep that sort of situation right. on a lockdown. Right. People trying to, you know, since there's also just a lot of small builders out there, people wanting to try to set precedent for the value well, of their gear. And on eBay, part of the reason that people do that is because they just want to keep their feedback, right. like, fresh all the time. And they're making enough money from the things that they do sell that they can offset the fees right. on, the on like, buying things off of themselves, basically, sure. and just coughing up, like, 10 bucks in fees or, they, or whatever. Or they buy it from themselves, and then they never pay, and then they file or grievance What if we just themselves? started selling things to each other on eBay <laughs> oh or on gosh. Reverb? You and I, we'll just, like... It'd be more convenient for me to put it in the mail than to drive it to your house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just give it to me at church. I know, right? <laughs> let's move on to the next ad, and let's track down someone to talk to you around here. I don't know if it'll be on this episode, but it'll be uh, somewhere in the week, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, this handmade is Jazzmaster, where are you? Handmade Jazzmaster style HH. This was sent oh, in by... Oh, we didn't say that the in and out ad was sent in by Paul Pennington. Oh, yeah. Uh, this hand... Thanks, Paul. <laughs> yeah, big thanks, Paul. Uh, this handmade Jazzmaster style HH was sent in by Brett Miller. Um, it's such a handmade Jazzmaster style that it's a Fender Tornado body. Yeah. <laughs> He, he really went completely handmade and used his hands to carve a piece of wood into a jazz master that has the body shape of a completely different guitar. <laughs> it down to down to having the correct hardware uh, and knobs and everything. Uh, so I'm not completely sure what's going on here. Well, it's, it's 600 bucks. Let's let's check this out. It says it's. Uh, what do tornadoes go for these days? This isn't like a terrible price for if it was like on the pol on par with like. It depends. Sure. So there were two ver there. Well, there are like three or four versions of the tornado. Uh, there's the tornado USA, and those ones go for a little more. They uh -huh. actually, I think, sell for more than they originally sold for. Yeah, because they're you can't get them now. Um, there's like the tornado GT, which was like available in I think four different colors, and that was the one with the racing stripe. Right. The, those are made in Mexico. They also have the made in Mexico, just Fender Tornado. Uh, probably the most um, the most common ones of those I've seen are like red sparkle or gold or orange sparkle, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those ones all kind of seem to range in the 350 to 450 range. It just said range twice in the same sentence. <laughs> um and but the price has been going up on those because I remember when they used to be really cheap and and it, the Mexican ones the price has been climbing because they're kind of in that whole uh, they're the tornado the cyclone and um, I feel like there was a third model that was kind of in that era of like funky yeah like not not exactly like well not, I think they ran Mustangs along with them too right and they weren't like classic offsets I no, mean the were, Mustangs a classic they offset they were kind of like precursors to like the uh, uh, what's the pawn shop series like right kind of taking like Mustang bodies putting in uh, Jaguar pickups or putting in humbuckers and things like that kind of you know funky takes on things I wish I'd pulled the trigger on a freaking one of the Cyclones with the three Jaguar pickups those things were sweet I kick myself every day for not getting one uh, but yeah, it, they're kind of in that territory. The, the tornado, like the tornadoes, is Fender's take on a double humbucker, hardtail kind of concept. Yeah, and I guess like on Wikipedia, it does note that the tornado body shape is like in the, and it has a similar vibe to the Jazzmaster it's Jaguar. It's different though, but it's definitely different. It's like, got a much bigger bottom end. Yeah, the horns are different. It it's is not offset. A, it's not, but it's not as like offset as. Those other two. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, handmade, this guy is claiming, I doubt it. I really doubt this guy made this body. Well, and it's kind of weird. Okay, so this is the description. It says, Jokes, Jokes Custom Work Guitars. This company is called Jokes. I know. 
Uh, guitar builder from Bandung, Indonesia. Mahogany body, nitrocellulose finishing. Maple rosewood neck, 25.5 scale length, which I believe is longer. The Tornado was a 24.75. Interesting. Um, Korean standard hardware, Seymour Duncan Invader Bridge, antiquity neck pickups. Ship worldwide, blah, blah, blah. So this thing was made in Indonesia? Yeah. So I'm wondering if this... Did they do an import version of this? No. So maybe he did make it. Oh, I mean, I don't... I don't know. The... the the neck, there's a picture of the front of the neck. Um, it has a um, big, like a fat style headstock, but then no truss rod. So that's kind of interesting because that means it's not just like a straight up squire. Right. Uh, neck. Yeah, this has gotten weird. And then he's got the weird, like that like deer skull emblem on it. Indonesia. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what to think about this anymore, uh, but none of it is telling me that I want to spend $600 on this. Like, if this is from Indonesia, if this is some sort of weird import thing, I really don't want to pay much for this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I'd max out at 200 on this if it, if I saw it in person. I'd need to touch this thing to see what was actually going on. There is a YouTube video of it, but otherwise there's, like, no other information, so it's kind of sketchy. Yeah, but I how, much, told, how much can you actually know from YouTube, says the right. guy who makes YouTube videos. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and, and part of the issue in this is, like, 600 bucks, free shipping, that's not, like, a horrible price for what... The pickup. What's up with that pickup set? A uh, Seymour Duncan Antiquity and a Seymour Duncan Invader. Yeah. Like to me, like that's the joke. There's so many weird angles to this. Like, how, I don't know. Like, I don't know. This is a weird one. This is like a like a. This is an X Files guitar. Yeah. You know, like what does it mean? We need to send Scully and Mulder out there to investigate it. Aliens made this thing. Alien. I don't trust. I in my gut, I don't trust it. Like this thing's either going to be a mega turd, or it's just going to be a rebranded tornado. Which right? If it is a, let's go with that scenario. If this is just a rebranded tornado, like someone just stripped off the uh, the marks on the headstock and put their own thing on there, I'd I'd probably pick this up for six hundred. Yeah, I don't know. It's, there's so I'd sell those pickups and I'd put uh, something else in there. Well, the whole thing is just like. It, I mean, I hate to throw it out there like this, but I feel like the fact that it's a Fender knockoff being made by a, quote, custom builder in Indonesia, yeah, like, it makes me wonder if the pickups are actually what they say they are. Yeah, it could that be being anything. said, like... There the, are cheap, there are cheap ver pickups out there right now that look like invaders, and who would ever know? Because you know? <laughs> they all sound the same. Yeah, because they're just... You, but the, you get, I will a, say you get the, a pickup and you push it over 17K and it's going to sound like right. an invader. The uh, the neck pickup, it says it's an antiquity and at least in the picture it does look like sure. a uh, like a brushed, that brushed aluminum look, that antiquities. Yeah. And those that's pretty unique to like higher end. Like if you're just manufacturing pit, aftermarket pickups, you're not... On the cheap, like you're not going to take the time to get like that worn chrome look. I was I've been watching Eastman guitars over here battle this giant freaking bumblebee. Like they just finally got rid of it. <laughs> They're like freaking out because this bumblebee is attacking them. <laughs> Bumblebees are rare. This thing was huge. It might have been one of those big beetles too. It was oh, okay. huge. That was crazy. They were that, they were they they were doing the ants in the pants dance, like trying to get rid of this thing. That was like your waving guitar that stands was your, at it and stuh, stuff. entomological moment with Ryan Burke. <laughs> I just felt like I had to share this thing I was witnessing. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about this. My gut says that this is just a rebranded tornado, that this isn't... Like, if this came from Indonesia, like, I want to know what's going on with this Indonesian company because uh, this is interesting. But I really don't think it is. But like, I, like I, I said, really, I couldn't find a website or anything, yeah. so you're kind of just going off own. of a reverb ad in a video. I'd really want to see this thing in person before pulling the trigger. That's all I gotta say. Well, should we wrap this up? Do we have anything else to say? I don't think so. Let's uh, let's take a break. Uh, well, I think I think what we should do is we should just plan on this being a half hour episode, and uh, then we're gonna like sprinkle stuff throughout the week. We're gonna make this a half hour episode. All right, so we're here again. Yes, we are. 
I'm saying again, I don't. This will probably be the first one we put up. <laughs> we're here. We're we're here again at the uh, Quilter Open House. The, the block party. Yeah, block party. And we yeah. had Pat Quilter here. Good morning. Another Calif lovely California morning. Yeah, yeah it's they great. They say we won't get into triple digits, but uh, we'll, we'll be cooking no, ma no matter what. <laughs> now, we're from San Diego, and there's been no breeze down there, and I've just been dying. Yeah. I've been like doing like guitar demos like on video in my garage, and I've just been a sprinkler. Like, yeah. It's just horrendous. Well, I do feel a breeze at least. Yeah, maybe it feels a, nice out maybe here. Maybe a warm breeze, but uh, it's something. I was worried about it, but I think it's pretty comfortable. Uh, so this is the first quilter block party. That's right. Uh, why are, Why are you guys doing this? It's, it's pretty well. Cool. This was a uh, Chris Parks brainchild. He's okay. our. He's you know I'm the technical end of the of the, our little company and the uh, the Q and quilter if you will. Right. Um, and uh, Chris is our CEO and uh, kind of customer facing person. Uh, de facto uh, marketing guy, uh, um, media specialist. Uh, you know, um, uh, social media, um, you know, wrangler. Right. And so he said, you know, why don't we just have a nice local, you know, mini uh, trade show and uh, call it a block party and invite everyone to come. And so he did and we did. And here they all are. Yeah. I think it's great. This is cool. We did uh, a friend of ours, uh, Cower Guitars, is up in Sacramento. They do an open house every year, but it's, it's really just his shop. Like this, you know, you're looking around like, just all the builders. I mean, yeah, you even have really cool. you know, Black Hat over here. So you got another AM company. You've yeah. got Boss well, Roland is here. That's awesome. You know what Chris always says. If you can't afford a quilter, at least get a tube amp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get someone else's solid state, right? <laughs> so we're, we're actually, uh, Steve and I are both guitarists. And Steve is actually a bassist, too. Yeah. We've been big proponents of uh, and big supporters of, like, higher quality solid state since way before starting to do the show we're big fans of like acoustic amps acoustic control and, and stuff like that and it was it was pretty awesome for us when we uh first got turned on to quilter like oh here's someone who's still doing this because these days like everything solid state for the most part is like just practice amps and entry-level stuff well and then you have the whole digital modeling which right. was, yeah. that was supposed to be the big answer to the you know the the legitimate age-old problem how do you get a solid state amp to sound like a classic vintage tube amp right and uh the digital modeling was supposed to be the trick but you know it still just isn't the same yeah it's, yeah. it's got us it's useful in many ways but it still has kind of an artificial quality to it uh-huh and so you know i'm i started in solid state because i just figured in 1968 hey everything's going transistor you know right no point in messing with this old-fashioned tube technology <laughs> and uh you know, and, and you got, you know, but I was listening to the sound, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, all the big artists of that time, uh -huh. and saying, you know, yeah, I, I want to make stuff that does that. And, you know, and of course, as a beginner, I'm, I'm mainly kind of paying attention to the, well, they, they, they run them into overdrive. Okay, we'll make sure that it can do that all right. And, and people were saying, well, you know, your stuff's not bad for solid state, but it still doesn't have this or that or the other thing that my favorite old tube amp has. And I would go, well, bring it in and show me. And they would bring it in and show me. And i go, oh, you're right. That's, that's got more treble, so I'll put in more treble and one, or one thing or another. But it took several years to really get to the heart of it. Uh -huh. And I even built a number of tube amp prototypes to kind of, you know, learn, you know, sure. from the under the hood why they do what they do. And then ironically, just as we kind of knew what to do, we got out of the guitar amp business and went to QSC, right. uh, which was admittedly um, a real smart move business-wise as well as technology-wise. Because uh -huh. uh, you know QSC is now, of course, a leading supplier of you know amp speakers, uh, did you know digitally yeah. distributed sound, digital sound processing, everything under the sun. Um, but I retired from everyday work at QSC, and I'm back to doing guitar amps with that 40 years of knowledge. Right. And, uh, you know, my approach has been really design circuits that behave like a good classic tube circuit, and it will get the same results. Sure. And, you know, and the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they sound great. Uh, the thing I, I say about them is that, like, if you're... They might not always sound exactly like a tube amp, but they sound good. They like they're good. They're really good solid state. 
And I mean, if you want a tube amp, then you should probably just get a tube amp. But if you want something that has all the benefits of solid state, but sounds like a really good amp, like quilters are great. And I know that you shoot to make them have like a tube quality to them, and they do. They do have that kind of warmth and a little bit of compression, but they're still like, you're still getting like the positive qualities of solid state. You're getting the reliability, you're getting the raw power, you're getting clean power. Like I think, I think it's just really great. Um, and I, that's a very fair assessment. Uh, yeah. uh, there is a certain openness to a good solid state amp because it doesn't have transformers in the signal path. Right. So there's that kind of nice, easy, wide band quality. But in most cases, when it's done as a pro audio amp, it's very, very clean and very clinical, yeah. and just yeah. doesn't have any musical warmth. Well, I think that's what most people think of because I have a theory that most of the gear that gets dogged on by people. It's because their only interaction with it was with their very first gear that they got. They got a 15-watt solid-state amp. That There was probably very little design done with it. No one really cared. It was just whatever will make a loud sound. And then, you know, whatever, you know, pedals they started out with, like get a distortion pedal. And then as they progress, they're like, oh, solid-state, like some distortion pedal? Ah, uh, that's all garbage. And they don't look back and see that there's better examples of that technology. Well, you know? and even in the case where it was a serious amp that, you know, let exactly. tried to try to deliver some real headroom, you know, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of textbook engineers in any field yeah. and, and just as much in our end of the field that take a circuit from the back of the RCA, you know, transistor manual and say, well, you know, it's it's clean, it's clear, it covers the full audio range. Why shouldn't this be the best amp money can buy? Right, right. They don't <laughs> it's hundred percent clean. It's right. perfect. And and so, you know, some of the amps that gave Solid State a bad name were good clean, but right. didn't overdrive gracefully. Yeah. And then and then, you know, once they got into digital modeling, then it was you know, yeah, there was all kinds of overdrive. Sometimes that's all it would do, and you didn't get the transition from clean to dirty and right, you know, that right. controllable, you know, four-wheel drift before it finally lets oh. go that, you know, makes the art of playing music uh, more interesting. I think good solid state, like, I think people think, like, oh, this is going to be sterile, this is just going to be clean. I think good solid state does have its own character. Like, when I plug into the Acoustic 150... Like this thing sounds like itself. It doesn't sound clean. It it sound it has its own character. Like you plug into a, like a, a Roland jazz course, it sounds like a jazz course. It's right. got its own character. You, I think you plug into a quilter and it sounds like a quilter. Like it's its own thing. And you've it's not just a, people think solid state's just going to be a straight loud signal that's just clean. I think these these good these well designed solid amps ah, can't talk solid state amps have their own characters and are worth. Like obviously worth exploring and worth like thinking about in the gear scheme, you know. Sure, and and I'm obviously not the only you know engineer in this field that actually plays some oh, kind of, of music too. So if you have an ear for music and you have some skills in the art, yeah, you can definitely build something that has a nice response of some kind for at least something. Right. And uh, and then it's just a matter of uh, you know where you go from there. I often think you know. It, if you equate tube amps to red wine and solid state amps to a kind of a you know um, crisp white wine, sure. You know, <laughs> well we're we're making red wine. It's not exactly like right. the Chateau Nuit from France, uh, but it's good. And right. It's, it's good in its own way, and it's a nice blend. You know, uh, not everything about a tube amp is actually musically desirable. They they right, have a totally. few bad habits. I mean, reliability is well, but even on, even when they're playing, right. there's a, uh, oftentimes a, a, you know the power supplies may either be aging or not that great, and so you get those little moaning undertones from uh -huh. a overdrive overloaded power supply. Yeah, you know, and uh, some kind you know the six L six, which is very popular and a good sturdy tube doesn't actually have the most graceful overload of all right, of the different yeah. tube types. All of the EL84, EL34 guys, I mean, they're getting that rich, chewy overdrive, which is a sound I love, so I've kind of incorporated more of that in, in, in our overdrive circuit. Um, but like the MicroPro gives you a more 6L60 option as too. Yeah. So, so we, you know, and that's, you were saying about the virtues of solid state, even though we're all analog and we're doing it with switches and knobs, we can offer you know a good you know half dozen 
sin, you know, sincere personalities yeah. that are as, you know, as different as, you know, a Fender from a Marshall from a Vox, you know, yeah. and, uh, and I, you know, people kind of get that. And, uh, uh, so, you know, it's, I do it in solid state cause it's the toolbox I know. And I think, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of things on purpose that just sort of come out right in a two map. Right. And it's great that they do come out right, but then that's, you can't go anywhere with it. It's just sort of inherently the way they are. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, uh, you know, whereas everything I do is intentional and, you know, and it's organized and that's we can point. tweak it. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, there's leaves more room for the future. You yeah. know, always like, something new to think like about. Like you were saying, like, you know, tube amp, they don't always do everything either perfect or or in a way that's desirable. Like, whenever I'm arguing with people online and everyone's getting all angry and like, oh, well, you need to have this tube amp. If you have this, you know, this kind of amp or whatever, you, and then you're not doing it right. And like, what if I don't want to sound like a tube amp? You know, what if I don't want that kind of compression on my playing? What if I don't want to sound like a tube push, like a pushed tube amp? What if I just want to sound clean for my sound? No, that's wrong, Ryan. Your sound is wrong. Because <laughs> uh, like, well, you know, and, the big thing it, for a while has been like these super small tube amps and everyone just dimes them right. to get full tube distortion. Like, what if I don't want that? You yeah, know? and that's, that's you, know, you know, we've had, you know, people who do not understand, who are, you know, very well versed in our industry come up mm -hmm. and tell us, you know, guys, seriously, you're trying to break into a market that's not broken. There are so many combo amps. Small tube amps are lightweight. Large tube amps have the power. You know, I mean, you can get what you want, uh -huh. but you can't get it all in one box. And a lot of these pieces are wonderful, you know, artful antiques that should not be, yeah, have hard miles put on them in the road. <laughs> so, you know, in, in many ways, we see ourselves as making the, the Miata of guitar amps. It, right. It, it handles like a vintage British roadster. I'm not sure if that's roadster. a good thing. Is that well, it, it's, it may make some people cringe, but I think it's a fair assessment. Yeah. You know, it, uh, you know, a Miata channels a vintage 60s British Roadster. They they didn't uh -huh, go yeah. too far with it. They really understood where they wanted to be. Uh, it's not a supercar. It's not a Corvette, you know, not a V8, you know. It's not a Lamborghini, you know. It's, it's a nice little nimble Roadster that handles well, has enough power to be fun, but not too much to get you into trouble. And it'll get you home at night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, Quilter, it'll get you home at oh night. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we had uh, the Tone Block 200 for, what, about two months as a demo unit um, like a year or so ago. Uh-huh. And, like, I, that thing was – I love that thing. I mean, I it used was great. It, I used it for guitar one week. Next week, I'd plug a bass into it, just – and this was, you know, yeah. the move the move the I tone used, shaping a bit. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. I used it for a couple live shows, and it was great. Like, obviously, more than enough headroom on those things, the 200 watts. Oh well, yeah. And then, and you know, there's the mystery of two watts versus solid state right. watts, and it's a perfectly legitimate effect. They both look the same into a bench load, a dummy resistor, but when you connect them to real speakers, tubes have more voltage swing. And so that's another character we built into our amps. Uh -huh. uh, so our watts are big watts. And so, yeah, that, you're talking a Marshall Major, you know, when you're looking at a tone block. Of course, it doesn't have to be. You can turn the master down and get all that nice overdrive at any volume you want. So another question I've had that I haven't actually asked anyone, and while you're here, I should ask it. Uh, on your amps, the, the knobs, they, uh, they click into position. like. Uh, how there's like 20 little clicks or something like yeah. that. Yeah. What what is the thinking behind that design? Uh, well, because our amps are so small, we don't have room for, uh, mostly for the traditional zero to ten or some other you know gotcha. useful reference markings. So we thought the little clicks would help you you know huh. find your spot. Interesting. Now, and on our full service heads, you'll notice that we don't have clicks on the gain, okay. the tremolo speed, and ah. the master, because those are ones you have to fine tune. Right. But the tone knobs, come on. I mean, we have a good wide range tone circuit, but there's 11 clicks in each direction, and each one does just a little bit. So, right. I mean, there's no real reason you need to be between yeah, clicks. Yeah. On I guess a, that was kind of like our take on it at the end of the day, because at first I was like, well, what if I want that in between? I'm like, if I really want that in between, like, then I'm just being like a You're little being too. Yeah, because I was like, I, I can't, was you can't even it. necessarily like, I don't know. I mean, it, I was messing with it. and I was like, is this like, 
I was wondering, is each click a different like setting on the circuit, or is it is it a, a blend? Is it blending like a normal pot? And I would sit there and I'd slowly tweak it. I'm like, no, it's a it's a regular pot. It's I'm like, it's I had to wrap my head around it for yeah, a little bit. Well, it, it's you most consumer gear have a little click in the middle. Uh, right, you know, right. The, and these are it's just 21. They call them detents. It's a little kind of a wheel with you know ridges on it. Yeah. But it, underneath it's just a regular pot. Huh. So if you can get it to stay between the two right, clicks, right. which is a little hard, it will be it will well, that, you know, that put the, out that level. That was the thing I realized as I was like like clicking it and trying to move it in between the click, and like hearing the sweep in between that click. I was like, this is so minuscule. I don't miss any kind of movement here, and it's like. There's a tactical thing about it that's kind of nice. Like if you're playing live, like I'm like, okay, I need like two more clicks, you know. That was sort of the the theory, and yes, like on the master volume, you the the first couple of clicks off of zero, kind of, I mean, they don't sound they sound soft in a place like this, but in your bedroom, yeah. it would be too big a jump. So we do a smooth pot for that. Uh, I'm not sure we did that on the tone block, but uh, on our larger heads, and. Uh, and likewise for the gain, uh, uh, the, uh, for practical reasons, in order to have a kind of a you know nice controllable amount of clean in the middle of the gain control, we like to have you know ten kind of come on in a rush towards the end of the knob. Right. And uh, that last couple of clicks can be a little dramatic if there yeah. were clicks. Cool. <laughs> so you started. I I did not know until we went into the lobby today when we first got here that uh, Quilter like existed before QSC. So you kind of like, I guess you had Quilter and then QSC and then transitioned back to Quilter. Like what kind of inspired that, like to get back, I guess to get back into the guitar amp world? Well, you know, uh, as a, you know, um, an Orange County, you know, uh, uh, comfortable middle-class hippie of the late 60s. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I was, as, you know, as interested in the music scene as everybody else. My younger brother, is an you know is an outstanding rock musician, career rock musician in a you know just in local bands, and he got me to actually pay attention to Jimi Hendrix. Uh, mm. There might have been a little bit of uh, chemical assistance along the way, but uh, <laughs> uh, but why not? I really listened to what this guy was doing, which I dismissed at first as you know I I, let's say, you know, I won't uh, you know I grew up as a nerd, but might as well you know full disclosure you know and. Uh, um, so, you know, my first impression of somebody like Hendrix was, you know, what's this guy doing, you know? Right. right. Then I listen, I really listened, and I went, my God, he's he's riding a wild horse, and he's making it work. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's he's controlling something that's inherently out of control and, and turning it into dramatic, high-energy music. And uh -huh. then, of course, you know, the incandescent early Eric Clapton stuff and all those other, you know, you know iconic musicians from the late 60s. So I just wanted... To be in that scene, and because my younger brother was playing, and because like any musician didn't have any money, um, I thought, well, let me. I got into the idea of building uh, amps, and nice. actually, the very first amp I built was a bass amp for his high school band bass player. And then we, you know, but the guitar amps were more dramatic, so uh -huh. I got into that next. And you know, there was a couple, a year or two where, you know, we thought we had a shot at taking over the world with giant guitar amps, and you know, we were too, too new, too young, too immature, you know. But, uh, but, uh, and you know, so the brands we still have today kind of, you know, took up the slack and 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 got in there. So, you know, by the mid-70s, it was obvious we'd kind of missed the boat on guitar amps. So we refocused as Pro Audio, and gotcha. QSC went from there. And, sure. you know, it was a good move both business-wise and technology-wise. But, you know, it's now, you know, 40-some years later, um, going to be 50 years in a couple more years. And uh, um, so I'm retired from everyday work at QSC. I stay right. in touch. And uh, back to doing guitar amps, because... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to solve the problem, you know, making solid state sound good. <laughs> right, it's right. It's a technical challenge. It's a nerd thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I feel like now I'm really able to do it, you know. And yeah. so, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so far we're living the dream, you know, how to make a million bucks in guitar amps, spend three. But, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a labor of love, and we, it's, it's a genuine pleasure seeing all the happy customers they they actually write in and say how much they like their stuff. I mean, who yeah. does that? Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, that's something we've noticed. Like every time we have a listener who 
gets a quilter, like they become a disciple and they like go out onto the internet or into the world like, no guys, listen, like my amps, this amp sounds really good. Like I, I'm not using my tube amp anymore. This sounds really good. Like we have a guy who like he takes a tone block and he has it on his pedal board and he gigs with it. And he's, you know, like a disciple, like I said. Like people get really excited about them when they realize that they don't have to haul around, you know, these giant pieces of gear, that they can get the tone that they want out of out of something that's more convenient and that is also like really well powered and sounds really great, you know? It's not just the tone that they want, it's the tone that is good for them, you know? And um yeah, the grim reality is that tube technology peaked out in the 50s and 60s. Right. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, we had an RCA color TV. Yeah. My pop fell asleep in front of that every night. It practically ran 24-7 for 13 years. <laughs> uh -huh. That's when they knew how to make really good tubes. Right, right. <laughs> uh, now I'm afraid it's not It's not like the days when right. RCA and GE and you know, Mullard were cranking them out in well-equipped factories that really knew what they were doing right. and, and serving military customers as well as big consumer customers. Yeah. You know, you were lucky to get tubes now. and the, Every and, now you know, and, and then they're, you, they're, you, they're not you, as, you know, they're not as consistent and right. you have to select through them and whatnot. Yeah. Every now and then you hear people talk about the possibility of tubes not being manufactured anymore, like, you know, certain factories possibly shutting down and stuff like that overseas. Like, do you think that's... Uh, do you think that's a reality? Do you think tube amps have uh, limited days? Um, I think there will always be someone somewhere willing to make them. Uh -huh. It does involve handling some toxic metals. Right. Like, uh, there's cesium in the electrode that uh, uh, just you know it has to be handled correctly. Uh, eh, gotta die someday, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I'll do um, it. <laughs> the thing is, you know, uh, you know, small, you know, um, handmade shops just don't have the quality control and industri in-depth industrial knowledge sure, right. that we've, you know, the, the people had 50 years ago that are dead now. Right. And so they rediscover what they can and they duplicate what they can. And, you know, I think there will, the one nice thing that will, you know, I collect vintage cars and there's uh -huh. a lot of talk about, you know, can we still get parts for these cars? Well, fabrication technology is advancing by leaps and bounds. I mean, we got 3D printers now. Yeah. Yeah. People are making new, complicated new parts for old cars from scratch. Yeah. Um, they get one good one and they model it up. You know, they, they, they measure it and, and uh, you know, take profiles and whatnot. And, and you can either have them milled out of billets or you can, uh, you know, 3D print them. Uh, People worry about how are they going to repair today's cars with their complicated computer brains. Well, if we, you know, assuming we're all still, you know, driving, you know, using high energy products in 50 years, right, right. Um, you know, they'll have computer technology that, oh, you want the emulation for the, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, 2015 Chevy Malibu? Sure. Yeah. yeah. There it is. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you ask who's going to fix the computers in these cars. In the future, when they break down, the answer is high schoolers. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're just going to have it figured out. They're going to be hacking into their parents' cars and, like, making them do what they want to do. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to keep the, the classic amps going. And, uh, yeah. and And as I always said, you know, as one of our kind of pitches is, you know, let's preserve them for future generations. Yeah, because, totally. You know, one thing that's happened in the 50 years or so since before since I started getting interested in today is that the electric guitar has become an instrument even in the 60s it was still very experimental right, right. people were fi figuring out what you do with this thing every month it seemed like somebody was blowing our mind with some new thing right. that involved an electric guitar and a wah wah pedal or a or a fuzz pedal or yeah. whatever uh, well you know th they're still musical geniuses who will take the guitar places we never really thought it would go, but they're taking it there as an instrument. Right, right. exactly. You know, you know uh. kind of what it does now, and now you're saying, that's just amazing that he's getting that out of, you know, a Fender Stratocaster plugged into some classic amp, you know, yeah. and and maybe he's got a trick pedal or two, but, yeah, you yeah. know, this is all well kind of familiar technology. So in that sense, you know, there's a target to for suppliers to aim at, and whether it's keeping you know the classic tube amps going or making modern amps that serve that same musical need, 
you know, it, there's there's something there you can get your arms around. Cool. It's really really cool. I, I've just been excited, like, over the last few years, seeing more and more quilters out there. Not so much, you know, like I said, we've used a product. It's, it's a product that we really enjoy. Um, but just because, like, I'm an old solid-state junkie. Like Ryan said, like, I own an Acoustic 150. I converted him over to it. Uh, I own a Sessionette. I own a, well, I sort of own an old Yamaha, like an early 80s Yamaha solid yeah. state amp that doesn't work. Like, <laughs> I just kind of have these, like, Don't weird you have the, solid the poly? state amp. I've got a Polytune. Yeah. I've got okay. a Polytune that from what I've been... A plywood tone. All right. <laughs> from what I've understood from that Polytone yeah. is... Uh, I've never seen another one like I've seen other ones with the same model name, but they're different speaker outputs, like a different speaker configuration. So I don't even understand what I have. So I've just got all these weird solid state yeah. amps. And that uh, it's just like really cool to see because what I see with with acoustic and with award session and with all these different brands and now with Quilter is people who are taking the technology and actually like we kind of hit at the beginning actually trying to like engineer it and do something like like and look taking it from a guitar player perspective from a musical perspective right versus just like how do we crank this out to put it in every 16 year old bedroom well and and uh speaking of your acoustic 150 um because i was well aware of the 260s oh, back yeah, yeah. in the day and they were one of the amps that helped give solid state a bad name they were extremely loud uh -huh. extremely <laughs> clean and and you know, blue cobalt distortion when you uh, if right. you did yeah. manage to push them into overdrive. But the 150s were, had much more soul because they used actually a circuit very similar to our early solid state circuit. Oh, okay. With a, there was a driver transformer and uh, it was a less hi-fi circuit. So it had a warmer, more musical tone yeah, quality. Right. And they coupled that with less aggressive speakers and suddenly they had an amp that was not quite so ear piercing. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I ran bass through that and then I decided, oh, it's not enough power. And I went through like two or three different amps trying to like, like, oh, I like, I need, I've got more power now, but I can't just, I just can't seem to dial in that sound. And at the end of it, uh, after like a year or two of like trying to figure out like a different amp, I just went back to the 150 and said, ah, that's what microphones are for. <laughs> because like something about it with the bass, with the yeah. music we were playing, like you just crank the volume yeah. and there's just the way that that, amp distorts yeah. on bass is just like this perfect mid-range tone yeah. that's just like it's it's a low mid and it's just ah i've been yeah. using it for my my surf rock band for a couple of years now and it's just great and when, when we got the uh the tone block to uh to demo i i swapped that out and it's like yeah it kind of lives in the same territory kind of like warm and kind of woody and kind of barky and, and it's fun yeah and loud, so, really loud. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I know the brand's been revived today, but uh, Acoustic yeah. is one of the brands that had their run and then kind of faded away, yeah. like the like the Tuck and Roll Customs, another I amp. I don't was, like to talk about the revival. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Guitar Center's, like, house brand now. It's like, I haven't played one, and I kind of, like, am wary, too. I don't know what your feelings are on well, it. Well, I don't, you know. I play with a senior, uh, with a Leisure World string band. Uh -huh. I'm a sit-in. I've been drafted as their sit-in lap steel player. Nice. And uh, it's a fun gig. But, uh, <laughs> you know, these are people who are in their, you know, senior years. And they think spending 150 bucks on something is a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I've seen them go through one cheap amp after another. And yeah. there's been acoustics in that. Yeah. You know, they play for a while, and then they start rattling apart, you know. And uh, yeah. that's you know, uh, all you can really do for that kind of money. And, it's, you know, that's another aspect of our industry that I don't know is well recognized. But, you know... Back in the day, uh, you know, a, a good Fender amp like a Twin Reverb or a Showman was, you know, a thousand twelve hundred dollars, yeah, which is like five six thousand dollars in today's money. On those standards, a three thousand dollar handmade boutique amp is is a value. I mean, they're not yeah. giving that away. I mean, they're not uh, ripping you off on that. They're that's they're doing it as best yeah. they can. That's something yeah. we talk about all the time. Is just how affordable all this stuff is now 
like compared to the past. Like people think like, oh, but, I used, you used to be able to buy this for a thousand bucks. Yeah, but back in that day's money, that was a lot more money. Well, but and, you could actually make money too. And that's unfortunately, true. the pay rate for musicians hasn't gone up either. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, no, I've never a, made money making music. My little, <laughs> my little joke, uh, if you saw the new Star Wars movie a few months back, they have an, another version of the bar band. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I so wanted there to be a subtitle. We're not making any more money on this gig than we did 38 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. We're probably making less money. <laughs> uh, but that's yeah. uh, another grim reality of our business. And yeah. uh, the unfortunate part is I'm, I'm great with offering a product everyone can afford, but there's a point where you've you've made it too cheap to really be any good. Yeah. You know, I'm a cheap sure. speaker, a cheap cabinet cheap electronics i mean there's not only does it not hold up but it doesn't you you've cheapened it past the point of it being able to sound good right yeah. and it's one of half the thing i mean i'm very proud of my work technically but we're also just using good stuff you know right. good speakers good well, you cabinets, spent, you you spent decades building building the good stuff and now you're putting it in into your amps basically so right? i mean yeah we we sell at a higher price point but at least you're getting you know, a good Celestion speaker and, right, a, you right. know, and a and a real Baltic birch cabinet. You know, and you know, and you know, made here in California. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll check out the Airstream at some point. And also, like Blue Guitar down in San Diego apparently has like the entire lineup now. Yeah, so. oh, do they? Yeah, so nice. and, uh, we need to head over there and check that and, out. Uh, uh, Jim Palinscar up at North County Steel Guitars. Okay. Although he's steel guitar yeah. centric, does carry the pretty yeah. much the full line. Cool. Whatever you guys are doing for for your Facebook marketing, it's working because I see ads for that well, store all the time. That's Chris Parks at work. Uh, there you go. Of our CEO, he's got some really cute ways of targeting, you know, areas. You know, we open a dealer, which you know, it's there. You know, dealers don't really want a new line of amps that much these days but when we do get someone open he targets that area with ads and people you know flood into the store and they're yeah. like you know way to go chris it's smart yeah it's yeah. really smart so um yeah it's you know it is a new world with the social media and everything but you know how about our our uh facebook quilter amp users page i mean we got you know you know, dozens and dozens of active commentators and, and hundreds of readers who are solving their own problems. Uh, yeah, and totally. pa pa Passing tribal knowledge down on short notice. We we do our very best to address problems the minute we hear about them. But you know, we have a life. We're not there. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, at least 12 hours a day. You know, and uh, so you know, but so these guys are really jumping in there and and you know, helping close the circle and you know, creating a real community. It's just, uh, it's just how business works now. It's interesting. It's like it's this huge internet thing that's replaced the phone book and becomes oh, so yeah. much more. You phone know? book? They had a book? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they still drop it off at my house. I don't know what to yeah, do with when, it. Yeah, really. When it, whenever well. they drop it off, I literally, like, it just sits there until it starts to rot. And then I'm <laughs> like, I know, it's, yeah, it's, I should probably throw this thing away. <laughs> it's, it's looking it's, gross. It is pitiful. Yeah. All right, well, we should probably wrap this up. We've got yeah. a pretty good show here. Really, really great talking to you. Oh, well, thank you. We'll see you Shaking around hands. all day. Thanks for uh, thanks for facilitating this. This is a great event. Well, yeah. it's our pleasure, and uh, you know, it's a kind of a fun California thing. And yeah. uh, what yeah, the heck, this is a blast. I'm smelling the food truck over here, and I'm just starving all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go get a hamburger. Uh, I need to. We need to check out all the booths and get some more guys on the mic. But yeah, this is this is just great. I hope you guys do it every year. All right. Well, thank you, and thanks for coming. And, of course. Uh, th and uh, we'll have some fun. We will. For sure. Thanks, thanks Pat. Pat. Should say thanks to our sponsor, Raw Iron Effects. Absolutely. Um, again, check out our show notes. You will uh -huh. see a link to the Kickstarter. Um, and Ed Chu's just—he's been a really active part of our group for yeah. a long time. Active listener. He's—he makes really great stuff. He started out by doing these uh, pedal recasings where he would make yeah. these really incredible, elaborate. Uh, like recasings, we're putting stuff in like these copper boxes and these really decorative boxes. Uh, he kind of got in early on the show when we were talking a lot about steampunk stuff, and he was like, well, what about my stuff? Is that steampunk? And it's kind of like his stuff transcends that, even though it's kind of hits some of those looks sometimes. Well, and it's almost like he's and he rehouses a lot of stuff, like right. using like old meters and... Like old containers and stuff, yeah. like really, really like cool-looking stuff. And then he has also done all kinds of... Uh, like leather work, like leather straps that look just amazing. A lot of people are buying the leather straps. So right. 
Ed's just been a great part of our group. Super happy to help him launch his pedals. Go check him out. Uh, watch our YouTube videos. They're, the videos are also uploaded directly to Facebook, so you can go check those out there. Uh, yeah, big thanks, Ed and uh, Rod Iron Effects. Yep. Uh, this week's song is sent to us by Jamie Davis. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Um, he says, I made a song with GarageBand on my iPad and wanted you to hear it. Take a listen. Um, is recorded exclusively with the iPad. It's a, the rhythm guitar is a heavy, blonde, heavy relic parts, telly, Stumat Golden Age pickups. The amp is a 1999 JCM2000 DSL 50. The lead guitar is a Gibson Robot SG in Silver Burst through an iPad AC30 SIM. Delay was added in GarageBand. Bass was a Lachlan, Lakeland. You know if it's Lakeland or Lachlan? Nope. I have no idea. I think it's actually Lakeland, but I want it to be Lachlan. Uh, or an Ibanez sound gear. He said he can't remember. Ampeg combo recorded with the iPad mic, reamped with an iPad jazz combo. Smart drums were added in GarageBand when they released that update, and the synth was in GarageBand. We are the first people to he hear the song, which means you guys are going to be like the next, like it's going to be Jamie and then Ryan and I, then Whoever listened to this episode is going to be like numbers four through like 2,000, 2,000, 3,000, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on when you hear this. Yep. I mean, you know, 10 years from now, it could be all the way up to 4,000, 4,200. Who knows? The sky is the limit. <laughs> yep. uh, Thanks for so listening, yeah. guys. Uh, tune in the rest of the week. And coming up, we're going to have a lot of content, I think, from uh, this Quilter event. Go check out Quilter. They're obviously sponsoring a lot of this content just by hosting us and I think that's awesome. Uh, they are very enthusiastic to have us come be part of this event. Alright, later guys. Bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.